Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Online, on DAB and on the talk radio app. Talk Radio. Let's talk to the Health Minister, Edward Argar, who joins us now. Good morning to you, Minister. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. And now Boris Johnson back at work this morning. I think a lot of people very relieved about that. It's more than three weeks since we last saw him outside number 10 clapping for carers, apart from that video after he left hospital and ICU. Um, How significant is the Prime Minister's return in terms of making decisions about how we move forward and how we exit this lockdown? Well, firstly, you're right. It's great news. Um, The PM is back. He's not only... I remember talking to you two or three weeks ago when he went into hospital. Um, he's not only our prime minister and leader of the government, but he's also, for many of us, a friend and a colleague. So it's great news that his health is back and that he's able to take the reins directly again. Although I have to say, I think Dom Raab in deputising for him in recent weeks has done that with dignity, uh, decency and ability and has made sure that throughout this period, actually, the strategy set out by the PM previously has continued to be implemented. So what I think we'll see today and in the coming days is the PM being fully brought up to date with everything that's happened and all the, uh, the choices and the information coming forward. And he will be chairing, I suspect in about uh, an hour and a half, he'll be chairing his morning meeting where he goes through all these issues. Um, and then there'll be further meetings with senior ministers through the day. So he's very much back in charge and back at his desk. But we, we know an awful lot of people who've even had mild doses of coronavirus uh, suffer from extraordinary exhaustion. I had one, I'm pretty sure, was the virus and really absolutely knocked up, knocked for six for about three weeks. Um, do we know, I mean, presumably you've, you haven't had a chance to speak to the Prime Minister. Um, do we know that he is actually able to do a, a full day's work or is he going to be a part-time Prime Minister? Well, he is clear he is back and he's doing the job. He will be doing this on the advice of his doctors. So they'll have said he's fit to come back. And I got a message from him uh, yesterday saying that he was on really good form and really raring to be back. 
Okay. Uh, now, uh, one of the big, uh, big targets this week, of course, is Thursday, the end of the month. This is when your boss, the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, said he wanted to have uh, testing uh, up to 100,000 tests a day. Uh, we know on, on Saturday we were well below that, 29,000 tests carried out on Saturday. Target, as I say, 100,000, a long way away. Um, are you still confident you are going to miss that? So you're going to hit that target? And if you do miss it, does it really matter? Um, I think Matt made that commitment it's a government target because it does matter that we get that number of tests right up there we've seen a huge surge in the number of tests done now i know that there has been a lot of debate about the difference between capacity and the number done but both are important so the capacity is uh, is now right up there over halfway to that target and the numbers of tests are continuing to go up um, what we're doing, though, to make it even easier for people to get tests is you'll have seen the announcement uh, Matt made last week about widening the eligibility, which we are seeing coming through now in terms of numbers, but also making it easier. So as well as the drive-through centres, we've got, for example, 96 mobile testing centres. The Army is playing a huge role in that, and we're really grateful to them. And, of course, the home testing kits, because we, what we're trying to do with this is to make it as easy as possible for people to register for those tests and to get them in a way that works for them. Um, but of course, uh, we want people to be able to get them. The big concern, though, of course, that actually the NHS workers and care home workers aren't able to get them now because they can't get through on the phone lines. Uh, and we're seeing basically by 8.15 in the morning, all of those uh, testing appointments and home testing kits are already gone. Uh, can we have a separate phone line to give priority to those on the very front line, the, the NHS workers and the care home workers, to make sure they can still get the testing ahead of people who are not on the front line? Well, it's, it's important that they can get the testing they need. They do, in a sense, get that through their workplaces, so through care homes, through their NHS trust, and in a sense that gives them the route in to get it directly. But you're right, we've got to keep making sure that as we roll out ever more tests, we continue to check that the system is working as effectively as it can be to get them to the right people. So, so you're right. So do we that, have a separate... Do we? Trust. Do we, yeah, but, they, but, but does, the, does their employer, do they, does the NHS trust or the care home worker, do they have a separate phone line or a separate way of booking so that it gives them priority or, or not? Well, the trust can get them through the trust, um, in a sense, which does in hospitals or in care homes. So that, in a sense, will give them that. How? Right do they have, do they, right. no, no, with all due respect, Minister, if, if someone is sitting there on a phone line waiting for it to be answered, it doesn't really matter whether they run a care home or a hospital or, or, or whether they run a building site, does it, if they're still waiting on the phone line. Do we not just have a, can we not just have a, a separate phone line, which is for NHS and other frontline workers, so that they can make sure they can get tests before other people? Well, they are getting that through, as I say, through their trust, through their workplaces. But you're right to highlight we need to continue to make sure that they can get through, but also that we're checking the eligibility as well to make sure it is the people who are the essential workers who are actually getting the test rather than than other people. I can entirely understand everyone's desire um, if they feel that they've got this disease to want to have a test. But it's really important that it's the essential workers that get them. And my understanding, it's early days, it's only been a few days since Matt made that uh, announcement of the expansion of the scheme, is that people are genuinely behaving extremely responsibly and it is essential workers that are coming forward for those. All right. 
Let's talk about what uh, the Mail on Sunday yesterday called game-changing immunity tests. Uh, they report that ministers have ordered production of up to 50 million new immunity tests. So these aren't the antigen tests that we're talking about uh, previously. These are the antibody tests, people who've had the virus uh, usually up to a month beforehand before the antibodies show. Um, is this story true? Have ministers ordered these immunity tests? Have you finally found an antibody test that is reliable? Well, the tests continue uh, to be tested, as it were, um, the science at the moment is positive, but we're not there yet in saying this is 100% this is going to work. So um, the story, and I don't, I don't know the origins of that particular story, but what I can tell you is where we are with this, which is continuing to research at pace. As you know, a few weeks ago, I think when I last spoke to you, we tested some. Sadly, they hadn't worked. We're making very good progress now, and I'm hopeful we will see some positive news on that front. OK, well, let's talk about the crucial issue in the uh, Prime Minister's intro, which, of course, is the exit strategy. Mm-hmm. Lots of pressure, not just from various businesses, from different industries, the airline industry today, again, saying that they're going to basically go under if, it's, uh, if they don't get uh, help soon. Uh, but there's also some reports that the support for the lockdown is beginning to fall. More people using their cars, more people out and about, more businesses choosing to reopen anyway. Um, are we expecting to see an easing of the lockdown in the coming weeks? And are we expected to get some sort of announcement that from this about this from the Prime Minister? in the coming days? Uh, No, I mean, the reality is I can entirely understand people's frustration with the restrictions that have been uh, imposed on them, but it is working, and the British people have been amazing. They have complied with what are very challenging restrictions, and the good news is that we are seeing that peak flattened. We have at no point seen the NHS have less capacity than it needs to meet demand. So it is working, and that's why we've got to, on the basis of the current science, we need to stick with it for a bit longer. Um, you've seen the announcement yesterday by George Eustace, the Environment Secretary. It will be reviewed again by the 7th of May, but we're not in a position at the moment to ease that. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Delighted to welcome the Labour MP and Shadow Work and Pension Secretary Jonathan Reynolds to the show. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Uh, lovely to speak to you. Um, now, obviously, a crucial day today uh, in terms of uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the government uh, sort of getting back to some semblance of normality with the Prime Minister uh, actually back at work. What do you want to hear on the Labour front bench from the Prime Minister today now he is back at work? What's his top priority for you? Well, yes, and certainly, obviously, wish the Prime Minister well with his return to work today. I think the crucial priority is this, that people are aware the lockdown is not a solution in itself. It's designed to buy us time that we need until we have a proper way out of this, either through a vaccine, ideally, though that does seem some time away, or through the kind of mass testing and contact tracing measures we've seen work in some other parts of the world. And so for me, I think his priority has got to be getting on top of that testing target and making sure tests are not just available, but they're actually practically available enough to travel for hours to get the test. And that, alongside making sure we've got adequate PPE, I'm sure will be top of his list today. Yeah, indeed. The PPE issue has never gone away, has it? And obviously, that's a big concern for those on the front line in care, work, care workers and the NHS workers as well. Uh, but of course, I mean, you're demanding today also, on behalf of the TUC as well, uh, representing uh, workers, that as they go back to work in normal work, whether, I mean, whether it's people in, in shops or in factories or elsewhere, that absolutely crucial that the safety measures that have been put in place in, in the work, in, in the, you know, they say the supermarkets and the places of work that do need to still be working, that they are across the board and that no one is forced to return to work without those tough new measures in place. 
Well, that's right. People are going to be worried. I think we all understand that. And what we need is a way to reassure people they will not be asked to work in unsafe conditions and a way of making sure that businesses are involved, the trade unions are involved, that people will know if they're asked to return to work, it will be a safe environment. Because you know, partly because the lockdown had to come in at short notice. Myself and other MPs around the country, you had constituents emailing you saying, you know, this is my circumstances, these are my health uh, requirements, I'm worried about returning to work. And you obviously can't give an expert view on that. You need to be able to reassure people there's a process in place. If you're asked to return to work, it, it, it will be a safe place for you to go to. So that is vitally important. I'm afraid the other part of that is, you know, the economic damage of this is clearly very significant. I'm afraid there will be some people, as we come out of this, will find that their, their employer has gone out of business. And you know, we need to be there to support those people as well. There's other things that need to happen to Universal Credit, I think, to make sure that is the case. We welcome what's happened so far, but I'm afraid we're going to have to recognise that there will be a lot of ramifications for this. People understand that, yeah. but let's make sure we support people, whether they're in work or whether they can't return to work. Yes, a lot of concern that a lot of those people who've been furloughed on 80% of their pay are also actually being laid off at the same time uh, and working out their notice periods and, and that there won't be a job to return to. And it is a very big concern. And where do you draw the balance? I mean, it is a balancing act between uh, the lifting the lockdown and having you know as much safety as possible. We know that there will be an increase in infections and in deaths as we come out of the lockdown. And that's what's happened in every other country that's done it. Where where does the Labour Party, under your new leadership, under Keir Starmer, where do you where do you put, think that line is in terms of the risks um, and the and the benefits of coming out of lockdown? Well, I think for us right now, we don't need competing visions of exit strategies, but we do need to start talking about this is what it will look like. So, for instance, this approach of how we will ensure workplaces are safe, how we will ensure if people are out of work, they will be supported. That, that's the right place to start. I'm afraid people recognise you can't just flick a switch and get the country back to normal. I mean, a business will need its supply chain to be activated. It will need its, its workforce in. will obviously need the schools back. And, of course, there is a link between the health of the economy and people's health more generally. So it's not an absolute split between health and economic needs. The two things are linked very closely together. But right now, I think the priority for the government should be talking about what it looks like, admitting that there'll be difficult moments, but this is the process we will take. And that's the right conversation, rather than perhaps sort of speculating, is it going to end this week or in three weeks' time? Let's talk about what it looks like and how we're going to make sure everyone is looked after when it happens. OK, just finally, I know you've got to go, but um, I just want to talk to you about Dominic Cummings very briefly. Big fuss in the papers, Guardian today, saying uh, that uh, Dominic Cummings, the Prime Minister's senior advisor, attending these SAGE meetings of the senior uh, uh, scientific advisors on emergencies. Um, what is the issue with uh, Dominic Cummings, the Prime Minister's senior advisor, attending these meetings? Surely the Prime Minister should have a representative in these meetings, shouldn't he? Well, I mean, you'll know, Dominic Cummings is something of a, of a pantomime villain for, for people like myself who aren't supporters of the, the government. But for, the question will be, what capacity was he there in? Was he to observe for the Prime Minister or has he had a direct input into what should be scientific considerations? To be frank, now that Parliament is back and the Prime Minister's returned to work, that's the kind of forum where we should be able to get that sort of answer from. So I'm sure there'll be something put on the record about what exactly the relationship was and hopefully it is a, it is a proper relationship. We all so, let's be honest, this, this, isn't, this isn't about a representative of the Prime Minister attending these meetings. It's about the man who delivered Brexit attending the meetings, isn't it? That's what it's all about. I don't think that's in this crisis particularly live as an issue, to be honest. I think we, we, you know, everything else compared to this looks relatively uh, small now, doesn't it? And I think, yes, he's, he's a notorious figure for, for people who aren't um, necessarily supporters uh, of the government. But look, let's just find out and make sure he was there in a proper capacity if that's what was happening.
Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Know your times. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. Thank you so much for your company. Still joining me this morning, comedian Dave Chawner. And uh, lots to talk about in the next few moments uh, involving lots of different uh, uh, topics. Dave, and now one of the things uh, that has been mentioned over the weekend, George Eustace, the Environment Secretary, or Geology, I think Geology Secretary, (laughs) (laughs) trying to work out who who the hell all these different people are turning up at these number 10 press conferences every day, was talking about uh, perhaps getting an army of uh, British workers, homegrown workers, who were furloughed to pick the fruit and veg that's not being picked because we haven't got the uh, uh, the the migrant workers we normally have to do that. Uh, uh, what what I mean, do you, do you, would you consider doing that yourself? Oh, a hundred percent. Like, get out of the house, get paid. I would absolutely. Do. I don't ever be any good at it, but I would absolutely emphatically do it. I think jobs are, you know, sort of the economy, as we've heard, is, is, is sort of tanking. I think that's a really positive news story that there are things that people can get out there and do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, a good excuse to be out, although, again, it would have been nicer in the nicer weather we've been having recently. Well, let's talk about how big this problem is with uh, Tom Bradshaw, who's vice president of the National Farming Union. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning. Um, we're told, you know, this is, this is, of course, the big season. Our fruit and veg needs picking. We've only got a third of the foreign labourers here that we would normally have. And the Environment Secretary suggests that uh, we could pick for Britain. Furloughed workers uh, could be used to do the, the job which we haven't got the migrant labour to do. Um, is that what you're hoping will happen? And if we don't get enough workers, what is going to happen to the farming industry? Yeah, so I think that we're heading towards peak season. So peak picking, sort of, we reach the end of May and then through June, July, August, September, they're the peak picking months. I think with regards to furlough workers, it's very, uh, very difficult at the moment because we're all hoping the economy is going to reopen over the coming months. And if that's the case, then hopefully a lot of the furloughed workers may well uh, be able to return to work at the jobs that they've already got. But I think there are, is a, a big pool of people now. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who've lost their jobs and there's a lot of students who won't be able to travel. And so ultimately, we're, we're really hoping that we can attract that British workforce to come out and pick the crop. And you know, if, we can't, uh, if we can't manage to get people to pick the crop, then uh, the only, uh, if we can't get it harvested, if, then there's no way of getting it from, from the fork to people's plate, uh, from the field to people's plate. So then the crop could end up going to waste. Yeah, I mean, that's the worry, isn't it? These, this, isn't, this isn't a question of like, oh, well, when we come out of lockdown, there'll be uh, people to do it, time to do it. It has to be done in the here and now. And of course, that will have a massive effect uh, on food shortages. And we know what you know, panic buying did in the early stages of this lockdown. I mean, I think the, the really encouraging thing is the tens of thousands of people that have shown interest in doing this work. And as we go through April at the moment, I think all of the roles are filled. So the crops are being harvested. And we're just starting the lettuce harvest as we move towards the end of April. Um, so at the moment, the, the jobs are being filled and there's a really great level of interest from the British public. And um, the, the key period now is that end of May period when the berry harvest starts. Uh, and you know, we move through then June, July, August, and we move into apple and pear harvest later on in the season. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the crop's there in the field. Farmers are busy growing it, and we now just desperately need to get it picked so we can make sure it makes its way through into people's plates. Well, there were reports about a week ago that people were applying for these jobs in the tens of thousands, but, but were not hearing back. And then, of course, we heard about some Romanian fruit pickers being flown into the country on chartered airlines uh, to do the work of themselves. Obviously, that's a very small number compared to the numbers you need. But how do people go about applying? Do they apply to an individual farm, to the industry? How do they go about doing it? And, uh, and uh, tell us um, what it actually pays, because it is, to be honest, it's back-breaking work. 
Yeah, so, I mean, there's a central site which government have been developing with industry. So uh, the pickforbritain.org.uk site is, is a central hub where anyone that's looking for work can, head, can go to and anyone who's looking to recruit can advertise their posts from that position. Um, so that's a central point that anyone interested in the work uh, can head to, to to try and find out more. Uh, the work is pretty grueling. It's pretty repetitive and you know, reasonably long hours. So, you know, people can expect to start pretty early in the morning to try and avoid the heat of the sun later on in the day and then work their eight, hour sh- eight hours out in the field uh, picking the crop. Um, so it is quite hard work. It's not suitable for everybody. But ultimately, if, the, if we don't get the people to come forward, then the crop won't get picked and it won't be available for people on the shelves later on in the year. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.